Welcome to Photophonica. I'm Greg Miller. Yes, and this Paw Patrol bubbles. No, that's not mine. But somebody, I just saw them. Tina, you don't need to be embarrassed that you left this here. It's okay. <laughs> it's June, or should I say, it's still June. So happy Pride. For today's episode, I have a story from my dear friend AC. AC is spelled A C E Y, short for Althea, like the flower. AC was born in Newberry, South Carolina, moving to East Tennessee for high school. But we both now live in the same town in northeastern Connecticut. Although I met her relatively recently, sometime in the last 10 years, she is one of those friends I can't imagine my life without. If you happen to move to our town, at some point I would want to introduce you to AC, but it's entirely likely that she would find you first. Do you remember? Remember? Yes! I was like, you totally watched this show, Max, because I didn't watch it by myself. She's a therapist and mom, and we've spent many hours talking over the fire pit or her kitchen table about all things such as relationships, art, or parenting, to name a few. But I see her as something of a curator, collecting anything from actual art to small objects she finds at the bottom of her child's school bag. Some of these items, you'll hear, wind up as tattoos on her body. But I would say that her true art form is appreciating the everyday moments. Hanging out with her, she'll constantly point out things I've overlooked. I spent most of my career trying to be an artist, yet I feel wooden against her freewheeling appreciation of everything. As a therapist, this appreciation of all things extends beyond artwork and objects to people, of course. And when all is said and done, I think AC's energy can safely be described as loving kindness. I'm going to catch a fish. Joy, are you ready? I want to get a fish and toss it at you. For today's episode, I made a picture of AC at our favorite swimming hole that, by the way, she introduced us to. You can see her head and shoulders above the water with her arms outstretched. AC has a hairline of sunlight against a nearly black backdrop created by the reflection of the trees and sky in the dark water. She has a strawberry blonde braided ponytail that falls down the middle of her back into the water. An arc of tattoos travels from one arm across her shoulders to the other arm. Floating solitarily in the water, she resembles something of an island rising up out of the gentle ripples that her own presence creates. You'll hear me making the picture as our family spend the day together, swimming and then back to AC's house for pizza and games. Let me just see for a second, turn the face the, the lake for a second. Let me look. My mom says I always bloom where I'm planted. I agree with that. I think I recognize beauty in most places, and I'm able to name it and be thankful for it, share it with others in a way that feels very natural and like it's very authentic. <laughs> Alien. <laughs> I love those The sun flowers. went in right when I got my camera out. Mm -hmm. The sun changed? It's okay. It's still beautiful. It's still super beautiful. Ooh, the fish. They just really are drawn to... Maybe it's my cheetah print. They're just nipping. It's dinner time for them. Yeah. We yeah. moved here from Boston. Our children were five and three. And I stayed home with them for two years. I was a stay-at-home mom. And I would put all three of them on the bus in the morning because the twins were in morning preschool. So I had three hours. 
And at the time we had one dog named Rosie and Rosie and I would go out in the woods and living in a really rural forestry woodsy river area was really new experience for me. And it was quite transformative, like in many ways, including spiritually. And Rosie was able to be off leash. And there were really just sort of wonderful days for me. And one day I looked down and on this rock, someone had taken like, um, basically someone had like whittled a stick. They had taken the shavings from the stick and they had woven them together to make this little, like this little, like weaving, this little tiny placemat weaving. And I looked at it and I sort of like, you know, acknowledged how beautiful it was. I took a photo of it. And I remember I put it back because I felt like it was like bad luck if I had taken it or something. Like I felt kind of superstitious about it, which is not like me, but I have become more that way. Um... So I didn't think a whole lot about it. I took a photo of it. I'm sure I put it on Instagram. And then over the next three or four or five years, and even now, although I don't live over there anymore, but if I were to go out now, we started finding what we called trail magic. Someone who lives in that, in that area whittles as they walk and they make things. Um, anything from like something that looks like a pencil to, um, hands, um, they'll just make notches in ways very artistically. They make things that balance like sort of little pendulums and they do it all out of like sticks and it's, we call it trail magic and Magic is really the only way I can describe it. And so this weaving of these, you know, little pieces of, um, I don't even know what you call these, like just slivers of wood, slivers of a stick. What I later realized was this is the first piece of trail magic that I found. What this person did was they took a, a huge tree log that had fallen over in the woods and they started displaying the trail magic on the log. So they would cut out a notch in the tree, in the, you know, in the big log, and they would put the piece of art, the piece of trail magic in it. And so it was just like this, like display, this museum of trail magic. I mean, it was just like the most wonderful like spiritual experience to come upon a new piece that you hadn't seen yet. Sometimes you would stick them high up in trees. And like, I couldn't, I mean, I'm not short, but I'm not tall. I'm like five, seven at this point, I've started to shrink, but like, I couldn't even jump up to reach it. So it was clearly like a taller person, but there would also be a notch. So it's like, you, you have to like, you're not just like jumping up and putting it up there. Like you have to carve out a notch so that it doesn't fall. So just the whole thing sort of took on this like mystical sort of like magical thing. Joy, these fish are going so hard on me. I hate the fish. They're like, I have like a teeny little skin tag on my side. <laughs> They're really trying to get it. It's kind of wild. I hate the fish. <laughs> look, look to your right hand, like your, look toward your, yeah, that's good. 
I got my first tattoo in Minneapolis, Minnesota. I mean, if you were to look at me and I had a t-shirt on, you would see the ones on my arms, but I only have one on my leg. I don't have any on my neck. I have some on my back, but they're like bigger. Like I have a big fern on my back. I don't have like smaller individual pieces. So the most, you like my, my most covered part is my left arm. And originally I had this idea that I wanted my tattoos to look like, I had this visual of a totem pole. I've always been super fascinated by totem poles. I had this idea of a totem pole and like each sort of piece meaning or symbolizing or representing something different, like an experience, a person in my life. So I have three children. My son, Calvin, I I have Philip the Eggman. So it's a little Eggman drawing that he did when he was probably five or six, and he's 11 now. And then we would always play tic-tac-toe when we would go out to eat. So I took a photo of a tic-tac-toe game that we played, which was a draw, by the way. And I gave that to an artist and they tattooed that exact image on my arm. So those are the two pieces I have that sort of represent Calvin. My older daughter, Maggie, who's 13, she drew this sort of ghost girl on a crescent moon one day randomly, um, when we were at a ho and we were at a restaurant in Vermont and I, and I instantly was like, that's what I'm putting on my body. So I'm looking at her right now. And then when she was like six, I found this piece of paper in her backpack and it, she had taken a marker and had just written LOL, LOL, LOL. And it struck me as like the absurdity of it all. I, and I, I have no idea what the context was. And it, maybe she was just saw it and was like, knew that it was a cool big kid thing. So she was like practicing writing it out. But I just was so struck by that and kept it. So again, I have that image tattooed on my body. And then my, my son, who's 11, has a twin sister, my other daughter, Louise, who's obviously also 11. She is the most artistic of the bunch. I, I have said this to her so many times. I could literally cover my body in your art. And I, 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 I just might, honestly, by the time it's all said and done. She has something sort of, which is not very visible, but it's a... Uh, we call it disgruntled fish dude. And that's the first like kid art that I had put on. And I have so many in the queue of hers that I'm going to have done. But there's a photo, a black and white photo of her in the tub when we lived in Dorchester in Boston. She's in the tub and she is making a face at herself at her, at the, at her reflection in like the, like a chrome piece on the tub and she is making the exact same expression that she drew on this. I don't even like know how to describe it. Again, it was like one of those things I found at the bottom of her backpack. I always say that cleaning out a kid's backpack is like peering into their soul. You, you see their, the depths of their soul when you go through your child's backpack. I feel like especially when they're younger, because at least my like my Louise keeps everything. She like if she finds something interesting on the floor, she'll pick it up and she'll keep it. She'll like if she sees something interesting in a trash can, like at school, she'll take it out and keep it. 
It's like fascinating to me. I love it. It's one of my favorite things about her. But I found this at the bottom of her backpack when she was probably six or seven. And I showed it to my then wife, Sonia, and we were both like, oh, my God. Like, that's her self-portrait. Disgruntled fish dude is her self-portrait. I still have the picture of it. It's hilarious. I love it. But I have so many of her pieces that I need to get tattooed on me. And I have them all, you know, in my phone with pictures so I can send them to artists. I always have a backlog. I have um, Brussels sprouts. I have some tofu if you want to make some of that. Mm. Some pasta. I have hot dogs for your brother. I think I fell in love for the first time when I was 14. And it was mutual. (laughs) Thank God. My mom drops me off on the first day of school. I walk in like brand new kid. And I see this, this girl. And it was like, I'm not kidding. 80s John Waters. Just totally, everything else is fuzzy. Honed in on this person. That was it. It was like instant. I can tell you exactly what she was wearing. And this was 30, almost 30 years ago. I don't know. I can't tell you. Maybe I noticed her hair right away and then I like locked in on it. I have no idea. But, you know, there's it was the first day of school. There's kids everywhere. (sighs) She lived like on a hill. Like she lived like not at the bottom of the top, but, you know, in the middle. And the the rain would rush down from the top of the road um, and we were laying on the road and I remember it was really warm, you know, cause it's probably in the summer it was hot and the rain just like flowing down the street and yeah, we were just laughing and like got soaked. We would just lay in her bed and talk all the time. I remember one time my stepfather took a strawberry picking. That was when we were like 13 and 14. I have this really good photo from that day that he took. And I recalled this story to Emma um, recently when we were on the phone and she had no memory of it. And I cried telling this story with this memory. But I, I don't like to drink milk, just like straight milk. I never have. And I remember one night, it was late, you know, it was like midnight or whatever. And we're sitting in the kitchen. We were in the kitchen, like getting a snack or something. I was like staying, I stayed over there all the time. And um, she got a glass, she knew I didn't like to drink milk. And she like had a glass of milk and she was sitting on my lap, like facing into me. And And she had the glass of milk to my lips and she's laughing and she's trying to get me to drink this glass of milk. She's touching me and I just have, that memory has flooded me so many times in all these years past. One of the times we were talking on the phone in this last year and I said, you know, I have this memory in my, I think about this all the time and I'm telling her and she's like, I don't remember that at all. And it just brought home like, God, there can be things that just never leave you. And the other person involved has no memory of it. I think it was just the tenderness of that moment. 
and the playfulness of it. Very playful, very tender. We were able to, you know, like explore that aspect of ourselves with another person that was super safe and loving and really only had our best interest at heart. I'm like super happy to report that we actually reconnected last summer. I saw her and her wife. They live in Asheville, North Carolina, and they have these two incredible children. And we spent a day together on, on, um, on the water. Since then, we've been able to like express to one another, you know, as grown women, as a 42 and a 43 year old women, what that meant, that period of time, those four years to see her, you know, was such a gift. Wait, daylight saving time switches back in March? Yeah, it's... it's so your birthday's on a Sunday this year? Yeah, there's two more of daylight savings time, so after that I won't have to worry about that ever again. I thought we were done after this time. No, it's March and then November, so November 2023 is the last daylight savings time. <laughs> Dude, I can't, I'm like, I can't keep up. No, just, <laughs> listen, my car is still, my car is an hour ahead still. So I'm just holding out till no. March. <laughs> we were talking about this. Maggie in- hasn't fixed it. Yeah, I don't know how to do that. She does it. <laughs> you have like a whole bag in November. Yeah, yeah mama, so, so you don't have to worry about it. Fix it now. Just fix it now and just leave it for the rest of your life. <laughs> fix, it. fix it for me. I don't know how to do that. There's a whole manual, bro. You keep figuring it out last time. Um, no, you, Tracy did it last time. Oh. Then get Tracy to do oh. it again. Mm-hmm. You're right. <laughs> Is there a little we button that says H and another one says M? Or Dude, no? I, no? I swear, like, I have looked at the manual. I have really tried to figure it out, and it just makes me feel so stupid. <laughs> and I'm just like, I give up. <laughs> yeah, I'm just like, I'm out. Like, we I don't were, care. We were talking Take about it to a I just, I just subtract an hour. It's really easy. I'm used to it. I'm just like, don't worry, guys. It's not five. It's four. We're good, you know? I don't really have a coming out story. It was so organic in so many ways. I remember, like, I had a boyfriend in, like, you know, whatever, sixth grade, seventh grade. You know, Ben Loveless, who I still think about. He was, like, such a good, sweet-hearted boy. He gave me a Spuds McKenzie stuffed animal. Remember that? Spuds McKenzie? I remember, you know, I remember names of boys that I, you know, went out with, you know, as you only can in middle school. And I, I remember having crushes on girls, but like, that's totally a thing. I mean, for, I think a lot of people, I didn't have any, uh, you know, gay family members that I knew of or remember gay people in the town I grew up in. I mean, again, it was the eighties and nineties and a really small town in South Carolina. And, uh, I mean, I, you know, if I think back now, I'm like, oh yeah, I'm sure that person was gay. But like, I had no sense of that growing up. I think just through my relationship with Emma and my feelings for her, I kind of just was like, oh, okay, that's what, this is what's happening. I had a boyfriend in high school for a period of time and I really did like him a lot and I was attracted to him and we had a really good time together. But he would drop me off and I would go to Emma's right after. You know, like I just, I, and it's, but it wasn't like I was with Emma and I was also with him. 
or I was cheating. It was like nothing scandalous at all. Emma and I were together, but I don't think I ever would have called her my girlfriend. I don't even know. And I think, I think back on that and I think about that all the time because we didn't know and it didn't matter. Like it did not matter. The the label, we were in love and we always wanted to spend time together. And I had boxes of notes from her and ticket stubs and, you know, I, you know, I had just pictures and these like incredibly poignant memories of her and me spending time together and doing things. But there was never a discussion of like, well, you can't go out with this person because you're with me. Like it, I don't know. I don't know how to, I don't know how to explain it. Even I'm, I've never talked about this part out loud. So I'm trying to like process it as I'm talking about it out loud. But like, I never, I, I never thought to myself like, oh, I must be gay or I'm, I must be a lesbian or maybe I'm bisexual. Like there was no language really for it. But again, there were kids in my school that were, you know, would hold hand. I mean, like we all knew sort of like who was with who. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Ready? Mm -hmm. Go. Um, Arcade game. It was one of our most favorites. Zelda, Super Mario Brothers. You were very close. Um, Pack woman, pack girl, pack lady, pack woman. Put like a teacher, a teacher that's not married. Uh, Miss Pac-Man. Yeah, there you oh. go. Um, <laughs> a very popular character in the Mandalorian movies. You want to talk about a gift? Oh my gosh. I mean, there was no, it wasn't like there were pride events in my town when I was in high school. It was nothing like that. But there wasn't hostility in my high school. There wasn't animosity. You weren't going to get beat up because you were in a same-sex, like, relationship or or anything like that. It was, and it's pretty wild when I think about that. Like that's, that's pretty wild. It just, my life is just unfolded with women. My life is just unfolded with women. And, uh, I am just, you know, like, like, again, I'm 43 and I got married when I was 25 to my former wife, Sonia. We were together for 20 years, married for 16 had, you know, we have three incredible kids together. You know, I would always introduce her, her, you know, this is my wife, Sonia. You know, I never, it was never anything that I was interested in hiding. Um, but I was never really comfortable or strongly identified with any form of, with any label. Um, I was, I was, I never identified as a lesbian. I never identified as gay. I never was a part of anything in college or after college that was, you know, affiliated with like the LGBTQ plus community. Um, I've been like sort of a bleacher observer of all the changes that have happened over the last, you know, years. I was kind of like living the life, you know, like I was like legally married and Sonia had our, you know, delivered our kids and I adopted them and 
you know, just in the weeds, raising a family. And, you know, I was married to a woman, but, you know, that was other, other than that, everything looked exactly the same as most families. And only since getting divorced and being in a new relationship have I started to feel like, okay, like more comfortable with the idea of identifying as a lesbian. I think a big part of that is because I am with someone whose identity has been so strong for so long um, and has a huge community of friends that she's been friends with for, you know, 20 plus years who identify very strongly as lesbians and like came up in the 90s and like the Western Mass area had to create that that family for themselves. Her name's Tracy, and we talk about it a lot, and um, our own experiences and where we're from, and, you know, my life as a married woman, as a mother, has just informed all of that, and um, quite frankly, I didn't even think about it for so long, and she's had a really different experience, so... Yeah, but even saying it out loud, I'm kind of like, huh. you know, I kind of there's like a part of me that just kind of shies away from it or kind of like, like pulls in a little bit, not because there's any shame, quite the opposite. I am like unabashedly gay, like I am unabashedly gay. Um, just, I don't know, identifying as something just is difficult for me in terms of my sexuality. But her second baby was born in New Haven because she and her then husband had moved there. And her daughter came so fast that she had her in the car. And Whoa. she, like, didn't even have time to, like, take her pants off. And the nurse came over and she was like, honey. And Alexa goes, there's a baby in my pants. <laughs> <laughs> like, she hadn't even taken her pants off. Like, Rose was in her pants. Oh, my God. Oh my God. Like, the baby was just in her pants. And, like, she was, like, looking at her like, you're in my pants. Like, you're out. This is wild. Isn't that hilarious? I think I just, like, have really just always felt like everything was going to be okay. Just everything's going to be fine. Even, you know, when my marriage was coming to an end, I knew everything's going to be okay. You know, everything's going to be fine. It's going to be better than fine, you know. <laughs> and Lamont says, you need three prayers in your life. Please help and wow. Being able to access a feeling of awe is something that I've been gifted, you know, as a human being, as a woman. Um, I feel a sense of all every day, multiple times a day. In my work as a therapist, as a mother, as a friend, a girlfriend, as some, you know, a girlfriend to an incredible person, um, as a co-parent, you know, just as a human being, not even all of those things, but just as a human being living a human life. Obviously, there's always things I'm trying to work on and lots of reasons why it's hard to be in, you know, relationship or friendship with me. But I think for the most part, I, I yeah, I think I was gifted with a, the ability to recognize trail magic, <laughs> you know, wherever I am.
the twins and I are riding home from a soccer game in Colchester the other night. And, you know, my 11 year old daughter insists that we pull over to see this insane sunset. And I think, okay, I'm doing something right. You know, I hope that when I die, my every golden hour, my kids think about me and know I'm there. I have been, I've been like rich in love my whole life. For sure. And I hope it stays that way. <laughs> I think it will. <laughs> Today's episode is produced by me, Greg Miller, in June 2023. Music by Ken Cormier. I get editing help from Evan Roberts and Tina Capetta-Miller. To see the photograph of AC, some behind-the-scene pictures, or to catch up on past episodes, visit photophonica.com. If you'd like to support this podcast, now there's a way by going to photophonica.com and clicking support. Your contribution pays for gas and film, but it also sends a clear message that this type of storytelling is worth pursuing. I'm filled with gratitude for your support. Speaking of gratitude, I want to send a special shout out to my friend Andy Adams, who recently featured Photophonica on the Flack Photo Digest. Andy has been tirelessly enthusiastic about keeping our photo community connected over the years. So if you don't follow the Flack Photo Digest, I highly recommend it. I'll include a link to it in the show notes. Whether you are a new Flack Photo listener or you have been here all along, thank you for being here. Photophonica can be heard on all the usual podcast platforms. If you enjoyed this episode, please tell a friend. Click subscribe and rate us wherever you listen to your podcasts. I'll be back soon with another story I'm excited to share with you. Thank you so much for listening. <laughs>